0: Welcome to Behind the Lectern. Since 2006, your host, Jeff Klein, has been working with speakers at all levels from beginners to Toastmasters International Award winners, from experts to National Speaker Association Hall of Famers. In each episode, Jeff introduces you to some of these speakers as you learn about their speaker journey, how they got started, where they came from, where they're going, and more. Take the lessons they have learned on their way to help you with your own path to make speaking work for you. Let's get started.
1: Hello, everybody. Jeff Klein here. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Lectern. Our guest today is Pamela Stambaugh, and we have Dr. Laura on our, in our live studio audience, Dr. Laura Cobb. And yes, we are on Clubhouse and Zoom. For our broadcasts, and we're sort of experimenting with that to see how that works. And we welcome questions when we ask for them and <laughs> conversation. And we'll also, uh, and then of course, the each episode will go up as our podcast gets released, starting March first. But right now, I want to introduce our guest Pamela Stambaugh, to Behind the Lectern, which is by speakers for speakers. Pamela has practiced as a behavioral change master for over 30 years. She's a seasoned advisor to C-suite executives and senior HR professionals. As president and founder of Accountability Pays, she delivers accountability coaching and leadership effectiveness training to elevate performance on what matters most. For clients, this has included raised operating results, upgrading team performance, and creating a culture of trust, and open, authentic communication. Pamela has worked with global, small, and mid-sized companies across many inter- industries. Welcome, behavioral change master, Pamela Stambaugh.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate being here. And thank you for that wonderful introduction that I wrote.
1: You're welcome. Here at Behind the Lecter, what we really want to know is how speaking fits into your business. How mm-hmm. you been using speaking, and well, first, how have you been using it? And then we'll ask about when, how, when you started, and how that happened.
2: Mm, sure. So, how I use it right now is I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. Right, I'm on. I'm creating content and delivering content on Zoom. I have a weekly five minute leadership tip plus an action multiplier that will start. Uh, I'm going to go for 52 weeks of that and then generate some conversations around those leadership tips. Uh, that's in on the way to writing the book, Growing Leaders Inside Growing Companies and well on my way there. So I do use speaking mostly though I'm not live, right? Mostly I'm on Zoom. I did have occasion to be. A moderator of a panel, and we drew eighty-two people. I actually put a, an event together at the university club, uh, and moderated that event, and that was a lot of fun. It reminded me how much fun I have when I actually do get to speak in front. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when did you start speaking?
2: Oh my gosh! Well, let's see. In the mid '80s. Was that
1: part of your corporate career? Mid-
2: it was well it, yes and no actually in the mid 80s I had completed my MBA and it was not the best of times if you'll recall and I was an entrepreneur however I was working with the Blanchard companies Ken Blanchard companies and so I ended up coaching and training their licensees around the world and I ended up on the platform with Ken Blanchard once in Greece went for a public event wow. and then once in Atlanta for the Heads of the manufacturing enterprises around the world for SKF, the ball bearing company. And I had done some research and presented that research. So I got a pretty good boost right there. That was really early in my, what I would call my speaking career. I was also a member of the National Speakers Association and had a lot of professional, still have some professional speakers who are clients on the coaching side. So I was able to present at the National Speakers Association conference one year. To- nice. Yeah, so that was fun. And then I realized, gosh, I don't have to be. So Jim Capcart was a client of mine. And he was a president of the uh, National Speakers Association, as was Tony Alessandra. And I'd already mentioned Ken Blanchard. So those were clients And so I really got an opportunity to be showcased in a kind of a
1: fun way. Yeah, that's sort of NSA by osmosis, right?
2: That is. (laughs) (laughs) That is. So, you know, it's really, really fun to look back on those days. And what I realized, Jeff, is that those people could be my friends and clients. And at the time, Jim was moving toward the eight proficiencies or the eight competencies for professional speaking. And I didn't feel like I wanted to move in that direction, that really my skill set is more on the facilitator side than on the big audience speaking side, that I like small audiences. I'm good with smaller audiences. Dr. Laura, did you want to ask a question? You wanted to come in here, no? All right. I just wanted to give you an
3: opportunity if you did. Yeah. I'm fascinated by your story. I'm loving this, so I'm willing to listen. And maybe if questions come up, I'm more than happy to ask them later, if that's okay.
2: Right. So from there, obviously, I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years, and I have been speaking, training, facilitating, coaching—all of those things—and they're very distinct skills. And uh, and over time, I've acquired them all and know the difference. Right. So yeah. sometimes sure. a coach. That's directive, and sometimes it's more on the listening side. I just went through, by the way, to divert for a minute, I just went through the training for the International Coaching Federation because I have a partner who, a strategic partner, they want to bring me into the federal and state organizations, and you can't go there without the ICF certification. Right. So, and there are so many people Getting certified for ICF, that it has been months and months, and I haven't heard back. I've done everything except that last three hours, so they have to, you know, just oh my gosh, right? So it's I'm waiting for my certification opportunity to actually close out.
1: And that's for to work for the federal government. They require not the ICF. They
2: require if you're going to do coaching or if you're going to do anything
1: certification. Yeah,
2: certification. They're going to do that right
1: yep got it is it any coaching certification or are they specifically tied to icf
2: well i think it's icf okay. because they're the they're the big
1: yeah i'm asking out because i don't know that's just right. uh, i'm a big fan of nsa i wouldn't be a speaker today if nsa had not if i hadn't been a a, a vendor member of nsa for a year way back in 2004 but you know i know that The uh, chapter there out in San Diego is one of the top chapters, along with our North Texas chapter, at least once upon a time.
2: Once upon a time. And I was the president of that chapter at one time as well. Right. So been involved for a really long time myself. I have that little walnut plaque, but I don't think it's an active chapter. I think there Mm. are people here who are active. Right. Greg Godek is here and people who are active are here at the national level, but it's, you know, I don't know if it was a COVID thing or if it was pre-COVID. They do gather sometimes. Yeah. They bring people in, you
3: know, and I know and have-
1: here. Yeah. I know here the North Texas chapter still meets once a month yeah. uh, and then they have some other activities. We'll let Dr. Laura Cobb contribute to the conversation here.
3: You know, I'm fascinated by this because I think it's necessary for people to understand the difference between counseling and coaching and therapy and psychiatry and psychology, because I often get so many questions about what that means and how it's if different. And I'm very clear about my intentions being on Clubhouse, for example. That I'm a coach. Sure. I'm not your coach. I'm yeah. a counselor. Sure, I'm not your counselor. And I'm a doctor. Absolutely. But I'm not your doctor. So anytime that information, even when I hear it given to somebody else, I kind of Cringe a little bit because where's the shoulds and the oughts, twos, and the gots, twos, and the must haves, and why don't you? And what are we thinking? And I don't feel comfortable with that. And my job as a coach, essentially, I sense that I'm, I'm like Glenda the Good Witch. Okay. Are you, My job is to tell you that you already have the information, you just had to tap into it. My job is to help you do that.
2: And I am
1: um, honestly. What do you think, Pamela?
2: Yeah. Well, I agree. I do know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Right. So when it, when you talk about the role of speaking, what it did was it, it got me the comfort level to go in front of a lot of people and have what I have to say. But when you talk about a comfort level and where do I naturally fit, I fit more like a listener than a, somebody who's got a lot of information to impart. And I think, Dr. Laura, you're kind of along there with me in that. Right. You're you're the listener. You're the as a coach. You're the listener. You're the one that says, find your gold and ask you good questions, but I'm not going to give you all the answers. Yeah, that's the the distinction of being a professional speaker is a much different world. And I have lived there and I've had some pretty stunning experiences there. And I would prefer to be more small group and one-on-one. And I'll never give up the speaking because that opens the door to so many other important conversations
1: right? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and you it's know, a credibility builder. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And because I came into the speaking world attending NSA meetings, but also being involved with what we call, you know, speak to get paid now and what we use, what we also call business speaking as opposed to public speaking, making a differentiation between the profession of speaking which NSA is the association that forwards that profession and has a certification for that profession and offers training, et cetera, to business speaking, which is, to me, in our definition, it's a group of people whose job title will never change to speaker, but it still might be the second or third thing on their business card. Mm-hmm. So coach, speaker, author, accountant, speaker, that kind of thing.
2: Right. So- I've written two books and full books, but co-authored. And so now I'm launching into author of my own book. And I'm coming out tomorrow as a contributor to Voices of the 21st Century, which is a Women Speakers Association. And so the e-marketing platform, the e-speaker platform is tied to the Women Speakers Association, and that's a really cool relationship right there, that Women Speakers Association. So they're obviously, uh, likewise, connecting in through Zoom, right? That's,
1: yeah, sure. And, and yeah, Jay, I'm all there. about joint ventures. We, you know, that's <laughs> one of the reasons things are going so well these days. And uh, again, our live studio audience includes Dr. Laura Cobb, and she had another question or comment, either one as well.
3: Oh, I got a ton of them. Hey, Beverly, how you doing? Oh, she back. This is so fabulous. So I'm curious, you mentioned that you'd never give up the speaking. How has the speaking remained steadfast and constant as opposed to your other endeavors? And what fulfillment has it given you as a result?
2: Well, the speaking has been steadfast just because I get out there and I make myself available. Right. I do it. I just say yes. And then I provide the value that I provide or whatever is appropriate to that relationship. And you add another part to that question, Laura. What were you asking? Is like, how do you stay relevant or what are you saying?
3: How has that been relevant and how has that been beneficial for you as a result? Keeping that as your mainstay.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a mainstay in the sense that I don't rely on it for a revenue stream, right? My, That's not... When I say mainstay, I think, how do I make my money? And I make a living... By facilitating an emerging leader accelerator, and that is facilitation. And by facilitating team growth, and that is facilitation. And by being an executive coach, right, inside of uh, senior executive suites. So that's the mainstay of my revenue. How I build my clientele is by staying out there and staying relevant and providing the value that you have to provide today in order to keep your credibility alive.
3: I love that word relevant. How does it, how do you make sense of that word relevant? I mean, considering the context, isn't it subjective and it's, it's
2: contextual? So how do you determine what's relevant or what's not? Everything is subjective and contextual. And that's where I speak is from what is the context because the context is decisive. And so I'm really saying what I'll give you an example. We today are polarizing. Somebody's got this opinion, that's an extreme, and then you've got this opinion, that's an extreme, and I'm sorry, but extremes, extreme positions destroy trust. We need the both and, and that's relevance, okay? We need both and. We need everybody at the table saying everything that needs to be said, and then some analytical thinking to go on there, right? So I can speak to audiences about that, and I'm doing Zoom webcasts in that regard. I'm bringing those kinds of thought patterns forward and saying this whole either-or phenomenon that we're experiencing today is destroying the essential ingredient, and why? Where are our values? So when I do an Emerging Leader Accelerator, I'm speaking to the values Right. I'm speaking to the relevance of values. I'm talking about integrity. If you go to my blogs I'm talking about, you know, who are you as a leader that your people would grow into their best self?
1: Okay. Very nice. So
2: that's relevance.
1: Well, and I think we can also create our own relevance within the niche market we want to be in.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I'm leaders, right? That's who I work with are the leaders the people who are influencing other people or not right <laughs> they're either being a good influence or they're being a negative influence and it's so important today everything we're talking about is so important today hello Doug
1: nice to Hi. how are you well, welcome Douglas Pilzer to our studio audience uh, let us, if you have a question doug after you when you get to listen you're welcome to chime in and ask your or raise your hand and let us know you have a question or a comment so we spent a lot of you know, talking about relevance and how coaching fits in and how speaking helps promote coaching, which that's sort of the whole mission of Speaker Co-op is to help people do that very thing, you speaking to promote what they do to the right people who they want to be heard by. What are some of your, uh, do you have some success stories that go with a specific talk that led to a specific engagement or type of client or something like that? So,
2: I have a partner who did an introduction of a program that I delivered, which was that. It was that whole dichotomy of the pull between those two things. And when we completed our work together, she said, you have to put this date on your calendar because I want you to go to hr.com and bring this message. And I said, well, there's more juice. I still have more juice I'm bringing out. She said, bring it, bring it on. And so we brought that Presentation and it was one of about six that she was responsible for providing to HR.com. She had a long history of relationship to HR.com, which is a very big platform. Oh, yeah. So I delivered that and then they keep track of what are the results. We had over 50% of the audience not want to leave at the end. That's a big nice. deal, mm-hmm. right? And then when they said, was there value? It was like over 60% said, yes, I got unique value here. So that's what's going on.
1: That's great. What a great success story. Well, and is that hr.com is sherm is that sherm's website?
2: No, I think no. hr.com is its own ended.
1: Okay.
3: Can so I go back and ask you a quick question, Danny? Yes. Yes. It's got it to feel so validating that feel like that people are making their connected. I mean, was this in the time of the of the pandemic? Yeah. How how amazing has it been just to to how to know that you possibly empowered others to not feel so alone, mm-hmm. to feel connected. I mean, that's the whole gist of it is that the reason why we're here and we're hardwired for that. So my question for you is that how do you make that connection between talking one-on-one or in a small group as opposed to talking at a conference, a summit, or speaking to a large team or a, uh, possibly an organization or um, a company?
2: I just look one-on-one, right? I mean, any conversation – this is my early training as a speaker: was talk as if you've got one person, and then one person, and then one person. Look, look one person in the eye, and then look another person in the eye, and then look another person. Right? Connect, make that connection. You can do that on Zoom. Yeah. yeah, you can do that on Zoom. You can have that conversational experience with someone. We are right now. Look at us.
3: I wonder how many people prefer to look at the camera as opposed to looking at the screen. Because I'm looking at your face right now. Is it looking at you? It's uncomfortable for me now to look at you. I don't even. I don't even look at the screen anymore. It's uncomfortable to look there because I want you to know that I'm looking in your. Like, does it look like I'm looking at you? Because you're right there. Now yeah. you're right there. Right.
1: As a virtual speaker, you got to learn to look back to reflect back to the, the white light at the top of the screen where your camera I know, is. I know. And that's I know. A, that's a virtual <laughs> trick. You know, that's a tip. If if you want to do the, I want to look you in the eyes moment. What you have to do is look into the white light and then you're looking everybody in the eye. I know, and it's I hard to do because I really I want to do this and look, I you look I do your too. picture in the eye.
2: <laughs> I kind of go back and forth. Oh, I do too.
1: Cool. I, I go back and forth just because <laughs> it's so weird talking to the white light yeah. that I, I definitely go back and forth. And then that actually looks like I'm scanning the audience, you know, instead of talking <laughs> to one person or each I see your face.
3: I'm not, I'm not even listening to you. – I'm not even – I'm listening, I'm not even looking. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not looking. I love you. I want to see you.
1: <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that's something else that is we haven't really it's something we didn't touch on today. But I see so many people relying on, on slides when they do virtual talks. And I try really work with my clients that I'm working with to make their talks better. I really work with them to switch the slides off during their talk. Especially, I mean, if they need slides at all, because a lot of people use slides as a crutch. Well, let me ask our guest's opinion, panel Where are you in relation to slides for content?
2: Oh, geez, I love to be dependent on slides, and I'm not right. <laughs> I mean, the truth be told, they're really a good friend when you're trying to look in the in the little light, and you're trying to you know to to, to manage everything. They're a good friend, and they're not really a good friend, right? They they. It, they're sort of a, a pretense that it's a good friend. It's like it's like that, uh, you know, that extra drink at night. That's not your good friend either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, my premise, and it used to be very different before we were talking about virtual. But in the virtual world, my premise is: if you've got some data you need to convey or a funny <laughs> picture that helps you tell a story, that's great. Show the data, show the funny picture. But for heaven's sake, turn it off. So we can see your face this big instead of this big next to the slide.
2: (laughs) I agree. And I say, I say, could you take down that slide so I could see you? (laughs) You know, I think it would be
1: good. I tried to ask that during a meeting planners meeting, one of the meeting planner organizations (laughs) I was on. And because what happens in person at their meeting is they have a screen next to the stage, and on the screen next to the stage, is the name of the person who's speaking, you know, and their job title and maybe their headshot while that person is speaking on the stage. What they did during the virtual meeting was they kept that slide up. So there's a slide for 30 minutes of the speaker and the speaker, again, their head's one inch tall. And I messaged the guy. I was like, please switch the slide off. We don't need this. We need her face, not the slide. And his reply was, well, that's just how that's how we do it at our meeting. And I messaged to somebody I knew on the board after the meeting just to see if I could help make their meetings better. Right.
2: (laughs) There's a good plan for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's always a good reason to keep doing something, because that's how we've always done it.
2: Right. (laughs) Even though it doesn't fit common sense and it doesn't really work.
1: Right, of course. What are some things to talk to? where you are now and what are some of your, do you have some plans for your speaking?
2: Sure. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, my plans for my speaking would be tied into the leadership tips that I'm generating, right? So more, it's more bite sized now because that's the appetite people have It's just give me a little nibble of something. And then let me, as, as Laura said, let me marinate on that, right? Let me marinate on that. and Let me uh, take an action. Actually, I, I'm calling it the weekly five minute leadership tip plus action multiplier. And in that context, Jeff, what I'm going to be doing is, uh, really speaking not with slides, not with slides, right? Just, <laughs> just having a dialogue with whoever's right there. But I'll be all pre-recording that. So I'm actually talking to myself in the little bit of white light. <laughs> and, and I can do that because I have practice, right? So it's yeah. not so hard to actually create uh, momentum. And and the same gal who invited me onto HR.com, I had done something similar, only it was a longer format. And I put it out there to the people I trust to give me feedback, because that's how you learn. And she said, well, what's enrolling is you, right? I mean, even your little mistakes are cute. They're just so appropriate. It just makes me want to like you so much more. And I thought, well, that's, wonderful right that feels good she just is enrolled in who i am and that's what i'm teaching leaders in the accelerator is be who do you be who are you being that's why context is so important right laura right because that's the thing that's decisive is what you bring you know you walk into a room where there's tension nobody needs to say hey we're not in agreement here
1: <laughs> right right right
2: I don't have to point it out. You can feel it when you walk in the room. That's context, right? And it's and it's communicating all the time, right? It's those blind spots, for example. We don't know they're there, (laughs) right? Right. So the authenticity comes when you can actually say, you know, this this is really uncomfortable for me to give you this feedback, but I have to do it because it's part of my job, and I wouldn't be being responsible if I didn't share with you. Right. Authentically, you just really bring out the thing that's in your way and poof, it kind of like disappears. Now it's not in the way anymore because it's been said.
1: Absolutely. Laura.
3: That is such a huge issue, panel. I so I love your shares. It's amazing. Do you ever be like in a like, I wish I would have known you earlier before in my life? That's how I feel right now. The thing about that, what you said is it's so relevant for me, is that there are things that are not to be said and people are afraid to say them, myself included. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, so that's the thing about it. I can't make anyone think, feel, say, or do anything. It's up to them how they take it. They can be triggered. Like I can be triggered for sure. And you did not even know what you said. You just showed up and was authentic. And I took it some way. So that's my problem. I right. think what you said that really resonates with me, and Jeff, I'll finish with this, is that when we come up showing up, when we show up, when we suit up and we show up so that we can stand up and speak up, is authentically real and valid. There's a fine line between, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I think some people just don't have that filter. Yeah. Like they just say it. There's a difference between radical honesty and brutal honesty. But for me personally, I'm very sensitive. So it depends on the person and how it's taken in the context. To be cautious and so dead on with exactly what you said. Those comments are needed and they're necessary for us to look out for each other as women and men that we look out for each other to improve each other. Context is everything. Who says it? How's it said? Are you staying in front of the whole table or are you in the restroom when Sally Joe, who's the one who bullied me, is in the next booth? She's in the next booth and you said something about me, what I can do to improve, but she's bullying me. So it's, oh, it's so relevant. Yeah. It's so, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Yep. So I'm actually, let, let me let you, Pamela, if you have some final words, because we could talk about some of this stuff all day. <laughs> What are some of your final thoughts? And then I'll I'll wrap us up.
2: I think, you know, in the context of the conversation that we've been having, what's the difference between speaking, which is a larger audience, you're directly communicating outbound. uh, You've got something of value that you hope they want. and Feedback will tell you whether you did or didn't deliver value. And then there's facilitation, which is standing back and listening for the value and then pulling it out of people as needed and required. And, and then there's coaching, which is listening for value and helping that person see it for themselves. Right. And then there's the team building. I do some of that as well, which is taking information and context and helping them communicate with one another. And every one of those things is a compliment to the others. We do know it doesn't get, I won't grow in my capacity to make a difference unless I am able and willing to stand in front of an audience and say something that has value. And I will tell you, I have been an introvert, right? And so always I've had to get over myself and just go do it anyway, right? The, the early days of getting someplace early, laying on the floor, putting my feet up, doing the breathing exercises just to get used to the size of the room, right? Right. I mean, and then pretty soon that becomes natural and people think, oh, you're an extrovert. No, I'm not. I'm a practiced introvert. I just didn't stop. Right. So much of it is just not stopping. So much of success in the world is just not stopping, looking more deeply, looking more. So I'm in the world of growing leaders inside growing companies. And that's a really important role. And I don't take it lightly that I have an impact on how people see other people and how they interact with other people uh, you know and and I'll do that from a big stage. I'll do it one on one. I'm going to be there as a stand and my purpose in the world. The context from which I come is that leaders lead with integrity with love, and listen for people's greatness and If you read my blog, you'll find out. That, that's actually paradoxical. And I talk a lot about paradoxes. How do you lead with integrity and hold people accountable and love them and listen for their greatness? You have to do both. And that's the tug of it. So where you look for the tension that keeps people alive, it's not hiding from those things. It's addressing them in a way that you get more fully communicating and others get more fully communicating because the whole thing is being said instead of trying to be look good right and i look i look good i'm i'm a looking good fan right but it's a game for me i you know it just happens to be the thing i've got time to do
1: <laughs>
2: my <busy> world <laughs> there
1: you go there you go
2: <laughs> right so me uh, yeah. i love color i love you can see i love color
1: yeah, yeah.
2: So that's an expression for me. The color is an expression for me. And that's where you just have to keep finding a way to freshen yourself, to come freshly and newly at the same old things and see them from a different angle or whatever. Right. Yeah.
1: How about um, tell us how to get access to your blog and to your upcoming live videos?
2: Well, thank you. So accountabilitypays.com is my website. I saw that you put it in there. And so I was able to get that in there. And that is where you'll see it when it's live, when it's happening. That's a pretty new website. It's got okay. who I am. You know, there's, I do too. I do in the corporate or the business world of where I put my value. It's CEO tools, which is, you know, a, a process for communicate, execute and optimize. And that's for growing businesses. So everything I'm doing is contributing either to the senior leadership or the next level of leadership. Thank you, Laura. She said, nice website. Thank yeah. you.
1: Is yeah. the uh, blo- the uh, the short videos, they're going to be there as well?
2: Yes, they yeah. will. Okay. Yes, they will. I- I'm probably, I'm going to say two weeks away from putting those. Into a sequence, right? It'll be a weekly sequence. It'll be it'll be fifty-two of them, and there will be opportunities for discussions. and It'll it'll grow into a community of people who want to grow themselves. Nice,
1: yeah, Uh, very nice. Thanks for being here, and the live studio audience is a wonderful thing that we're having lots of fun with here at Behind the Lectern. Thank you so much, Pamela Stambaugh, for being our featured Mm -hmm. guest today, and. Dr. Laura Cobb and Doug Pilzer, thanks for your comments and your great questions. And this is Jeff Klein signing off until next time.
2: Thank you very much. It's been great
0: to be with you, today. If you're in the top 25% of the fastest times... Wow, what a great speaker. Where did you find him? You know, I used to have trouble finding speakers. Then someone told me about speakercoop.com. Speakercoop.com? What's that? It's a website full of speakers who speak to groups like ours. How did you decide which speaker to choose? The website lets you search for speaker by topic. You can even type one search word in and find all the speakers who have that word in their topic. Then you can read the speaker's bio to see if they're a fit for your group. That sounds great. Yes, I'm using speakercoop.com to find all the speakers for our group this year. I've got to find the speaker for our luncheon next month. This will make it easy. I'm going to go to speakercoop.com. And over and over again. Thanks for joining us on Behind the Lectern. You can find an archive of our episodes at behindthelectern.com. You can also access useful speaking information at speakercoop.com forward slash education. Join us next time for another great speaker journey with an expert and our host, Jeff Klein. We'll catch you next time.